Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Psalms chapter 56 is where we're going to be today. I want to ask you while you're turning there, what are you afraid of? What are you scared of? Maybe you're like me, maybe it's singing with your microphone on. (laughs) What are you scared of? What stirs up anxiety and worry in your heart? Trepidation. What are you afraid of? And for all of us, there's probably lots of different things that we could, we could list, we could name this morning. But I think to be helpful and to simplify things, sociologists say that really most fears fall under five categories. They call them the five universal fears. And the first one is, is death, which that makes sense. That would be a universal fear. Even for believers who, who know the truth and know that God has taken the stinger out of death, taking the stinger out of death, it still can cause fear. What will it be like? When will that happen? So it's, it's normal for when you get sick to, to get a little fearful about what is going to happen with this. Or you get fearful when someone you love gets sick because you don't want them to experience death and that causes you loss. The death of a relationship. It's scary. Maybe for you, it's the second universal fear of outsider. So really there's two thoughts here. So we fear the outsider. We fear the unknown coming into our circle, into our space. We fear the outsider, but also we fear being the outsider. I was talking with some friends just last night who have recently moved and they're trying to find a new church down in South Texas. And they were saying that when they go to a new church, they just, they're finding themselves overwhelmed with being worried about talking to people with social anxiety, they're afraid. Maybe some of you this morning, as nice as Southcrest is, the people are, maybe you are feeling that way of just, you're newer here and there's some anxiety about being here. Fear. Maybe yours fall into the third category of, this would certainly be me, fear of the future, of not knowing what lies ahead. Now we do, we know how the story ends, right? As believers, we know how the story ends. And yet still, there are times that we find ourselves fearing what tomorrow holds because we, we don't really, as humans, don't know what tomorrow holds. And clarity, we love clarity. So when there's not clarity on what the future looks like, it stirs up fear and stress and anxiousness. Maybe it's your fears fall under the fourth universal fear of chaos. So even good change still brings about change, which can bring about chaos in our hearts and minds. And we, you know, we like things orderly and knowing where people are and where things are. And chaos can bring fear. We fear chaos. And then lastly, the fifth category of universal fears is insignificance. Insignificance. No one wants to be average. 
All of us want to make an impact, whether that be here in the church, whether that be in your children's lives, in your grandchildren's, at your workplace, at your school. No one wants to be insignificant. So when you begin to sense that you are being insignificant or when you realize that you could be insignificant, it stirs up this this fear, this worry. You become scared. You know, as Christians, I think a lot of us, we when we become scared, when we get anxious, when we worry about the future, all those things, we feel like we're pathetic Christians. Like, man, what is wrong with me? I must not be a really good believer if I'm having this fear. Well, the good news is all throughout scripture, there are examples of bold believers who did trust God and yet still experienced fear, still struggled sometimes. One of those would be David. Who wrote this psalm? Yes, courageous, courageous, bold, mighty David found himself scared sometimes, found himself shaking in his boots. Courageous sometimes, at another time, cowering in the corner. Same man. If you look at Psalm 56, in my heading it says, when the Philistines seized him in Gath. So they're giving you some context of of when David wrote this psalm. And then another helpful tool as you read the Bible is to look down at the footnotes and it'll often give you a reference for, uh, or maybe yours are in the middle of the Bible, but a reference for what that story is referring to. So like it shows here at the bottom of mine in that footnote that this psalm was written out of what happened in 1 Samuel 21. So Um, I'm going to turn there and read it to you just real quick, just a little portion of it to get context for Psalm 56 to see what had David so shaken up. So first of all, we know David was fleeing from Saul because Saul wanted to what? Want to kill him. Want to kill David. That's a good reason to be fearful. It says David fled that day from, I'm in verse 10. David fled that day from Saul's presence and went to King Achish of Gath. Now Gath, Gath was the hometown of Goliath. You remember any connection between David and Goliath? (laughs) Yeah, he killed Goliath and David's walking around with Goliath's sword on his side. How desperate is he to go to Gath? So he's so terrified of Saul and what Saul wants to do to him. He goes to Gath and just so you know, they're not gonna throw a welcome party for him, right? They killed their, he killed their fearless soldier. But Achish's servant, Achish's servant said to him, isn't this David, the king of the land? Don't they sing about him during their dances? Saul has killed his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. David took this to heart and became very afraid of King Achish of Gath. So think about that. He's got Goliath's sword on his side. He knows God is the one who gave him victory over Goliath. God is victorious in battle. He can trust God. And yet, even in this moment, David finds himself terrified, afraid. It says, verse 13, he pretended to be insane in their presence. He's trying to throw them off. He acted like a madman around them, scribbling on the doors of the city gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Now, I love this next part. Look, you can see the man is crazy. Achish said to his servants, why did you bring him to me? Do I have such a shortage of crazy people that you brought this one to act crazy around me? Is this one going to come into my house? Some of y'all say that at Christmas time when your relatives come over, right? Like, I got enough crazy in my house. That's what Achish is saying about David. Again, David's acting this way because he's trying to throw them off. He doesn't want to be killed. Now, it is. I, I think it's funny. Like, 
the Bible, God has a sense of humor. Amen? Like, that's where it comes from. So, so it's kind of funny to read that. But at the same time, David is, was literally scared for his life. And in Psalm 56, some of it gives us a little more insight into what was going on in his mind and in his heart and the actual fear that he was experiencing. Look at verse 1 in chapter 56 of Psalms. It says, David says, Be gracious to me, God. For a man is trampling me. So we believe he's referring to, to Saul. And th that word trampling there, some translations say, uh, is looking to swallow me up. He's in hot pursuit. So this is this picture of David's running and Saul just keeps chasing after him to trample him. He fights and oppresses me all day long. He says, my adversaries trample me all day. So I can't get away from them. For many arrogantly fight against me. Then over in verse five. He says, they twist my words all day long. Do you catch the theme there? All day. I can't get away from it. I'm scared because they're coming after me. He says, all their thoughts against me are evil. Now, maybe as I'm setting up this context, you're like, man, I can't, I can relate to being afraid, but I can't relate to having people chase me and now I got to act crazy and let saliva run down my beard, right? Maybe you can't relate to that, but I know you can relate to what he says about the enemy just seeking harm against you because the New Testament tells us that we have an enemy named Satan who comes to still kill and destroy. That's his, what Satan does. He wants to do. So we can relate to this kind of fear. He says, they stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps while I wait to take my life. Will they escape in spite of such sin? God bring down the nations in wrath. So while 1 Samuel makes us giggle a little bit because it is a fun story, we can see here David is truly scared. And he, he has a right to be. People are coming after him. But here's what I want you to see this morning in the text. David doesn't just lay down and let fear run over him. No, David moves toward faith in God. He doesn't just cower in the corner. No, he finds courage. What are you supposed to do when you're scared? Number one, here's what we're going to see. Activate your faith. Activate your faith. Look at what it says in verse three. David says, when I am afraid, I will, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? He say, I'm going to trust you, God. I, I love this, this paradox. You know, the Christian life is full of paradoxes, but by faith, they're true. He's saying in verse three, I'm afraid. But then later in verse four, he says, but I'm not going to be afraid. It's what Spur Charles Spurgeon calls or says about this passage. It's in the same mind at the same moment. You have both fear and faith. You can't necessarily control when fear creeps into your life, but you can say, by golly, I'm going to insert faith into this situation. I'm going to trust you, God. You are going to be afraid. David says, I'm afraid, but I'm going to trust in you, God. And then he says at the end of verse four, what can, or he asks, what can mere mortals do to me? Now we know from the context, and even looking at this psalm itself, humans can do a lot to you, Right? Like the old phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Somebody lied, right? Humans can do a lot. 
What David is doing, he's setting up a contrast of, it's, he's saying, in light of the fact that God is for me, psh, what can man do to me? The idea is, it's a rhetorical question. He's saying nothing. Comparatively, they don't stand to change. My enemies who seek to harm me, that which wants to scare me and cause me fear, stands no chance against the Lord. I'm going to trust him. David Platt comments on this passage. He says, fear is the basis of focusing on what the world can do to you. But faith is the basis of focusing on what God can do for you. See, David's recognizing God is with you. I'm not in this battle alone. I don't have to be scared because God, even though I am scared, I'm going to choose faith because God is with me. Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Lauren and I have some friends back in Florida who uh, have a little girl named Evelyn, and she's probably 12 or 13 now. But when she was five years old, one Christmas, she was laying in bed at night and called her parents in because she was uh, scared. She was afraid. She called her parents in, and they said, Evie, what's going on? Like, you don't have to be afraid. Jesus is with you. And Evelyn looked at her parents and said, yeah, but what can he do? He's only a baby. <laughs> Clearly, clearly she's missing a few things about who God is, right? I love in verse four, when he says, in God, his word I praise, in God I trust. He uses the, the same word Elohim four different times in this passage for God. And Elohim, Elohim is most often used to refer to God as creator and sustainer. So here's what David's saying. Yeah, these people are coming at me. And yeah, I'm a little afraid, but I'm gonna choose to trust God and I have good reason to, tr to trust God because he's with me and he is the creator and the sustainer of the universe. So they can come at me with what they want. This fear can attack me, but God's got my back and God holds the universe in his hands. He gives lung, or air to my lungs. He, he keeps my heart beating. God's got this. He's activating his faith. Notice David's not telling you how to feel. He's telling you what to do. I will trust you, God. I will not be afraid. Activating your faith. You know, when you're driving down I-20 head towards Dallas or up I-27 towards Amarillo, whatever, it can be nice to put on cruise control, right? Like if this morning, if you don't have cruise control in your car, maybe this is God telling you it's time for an upgrade. I don't know, okay? Just kidding. Cruise control can be a great thing. But if you have any wisdom about you and you want to live while you drive and not careen off the road, when you're in cruise control, but you enter a storm, you take it off of cruise control, Right? Turn off cruise control. You might even sit up in your chair a little bit straighter. You put, I, I like to drive with one hand on the wheel, but when I enter a rainstorm, both hands are going on the wheel, right? I'm not doing this, Jesus, take the wheel. No, you, you lean forward and you get active. You don't passively just cruise through the storm because that's terribly dangerous and you're just asking to be hurt. Man, as Christians in America and even Texas, God's country, it is too easy for us to just cruise through the Christian life. And then we enter into a season of, or something that, into a storm that causes fear, stress, and anxiety. And it's too easy to just keep on cruising and let fear and anxiety spin us off the road. What David's saying here is, no, activate your faith. 
Be intentional. Yes, you're saying, Jesus, take the will, but you're actively saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to sit back and let my fear control me. No, God, I'm going to let faith control me. Activate your faith. Don't let fear spin you off the road. No, lean forward. Well, what might that look like? Might look like what Pastor Ligilio says is breathing out. God, I can't do this. Breathing in. But God, I trust you because I know you can. It's acknowledging what is scaring you and then acknowledging that your Savior is bigger and better. Activate your faith when you're scared. Now, this next thing we're going to see in the text is, I believe, a lost art in our world today. And I don't mean just for young whippersnappers. I mean across the board for believers I think we've lost the ability to do this. Look at verse eight. Again, David writing to God. He says, you yourself have recorded my wanderings. You've put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will retreat on the day when I call. This I know, God is for me. What a a beautiful picture David's laying out here. So we, want to, we read the Bible literally, but literally here, David is being picturesque. And the picture he gives of God's care and concern for you is that while you lay there, tears coming out of your eyes because of what you're afraid of, whatever it is that's causing you stress is now causing you misery, that God carefully watches your tears. You know, I love my wife, Lauren, more than life itself. But I'll be honest, I've never collected her tears in a bottle. He's saying, God, God cares so much about you, he, he catches your tears. How do you get a tear in a bottle? One drop at a time. God sees and cares. And more than that, it says, are they not in your book? So it's getting this picture that God records all of the difficulties, all the hardships that you're facing, all those things that are causing you fear and stress and anxiety. God's writing those down because he cares for you. And then he says, knowing that God cares for us, knowing that God is a God of justice, he says, verse nine, then my enemies will, will retreat on the day when I call. So he's recognizing God, I know you care. I know you see and justice will be served. It reminds me of the imprecatory prayer he prays in verse seven. God, bring down the nations in wrath. He's recognizing, God, you've got this. And look at the end of verse nine. I love this. This I know, not what I feel, what I know, God is for me. You know what he's doing here? It's the second truth I want you to see. What you, what you should do when you're scared. Number two, turn on the soundtracks of truth. Turn on the soundtracks of truth. We so easily get these fearful and scared, worried songs playing in our head. And he's, David's saying, no, I know God is for me. I'm going to preach the truth to myself. I'm going to remind myself of biblical truth that God is for me. And, and where is David getting this, this concept that hey, I can know this, I can grab onto this truth, God is for me. Where is he getting this? Well, he's already told us. It's in the chorus, it's in the refrain of this psalm. 
Look at verse four. He says, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. Then again, down in verse 10. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. Where's David getting his soundtracks of truth and promises to cling to? He's getting them from the word of God. From God's covenant promises, he can know that God is for him. Friends, if you know Jesus Christ, every one of God's promises is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. What are, what are some of those promises? What are some of those truths? Talked about it last week. Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart. Jesus sees you in your fear and your anxiety and your worry. He says, hey, come to me, to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's a promise. He invites you to do life with him. Later in the gospels, he says, I'm the way, the truth and the life and the truth will what? The truth will set you free. That's a promise that you can cling to in the Lord. We see in the book of Acts that Jesus, just as he promised, he sent the Holy Spirit, the helper, the counselor to live in our lives, that God's spirit indwells us, empowering us to live the Christian life. We see from the book of Romans that yes, we may have hardship and, and be, not be at peace in this world, but we know we are at peace with God because of Jesus Christ. You don't have to wonder about that. It is a promise you can cling to. We know from the book of Romans that we're going to have affliction, but affliction ultimately produces endurance and endurance, character and character, hope. That's a promise. We know Romans 8, that God works all things for good for those who love him. Like you think you're a good chef. God's the best chef, right? Life can throw whatever ingredients it wants at you and God can cook up something amazing out of it. He's good. We see in the book of Philippians that we can do all things through him who strengthens us. So whatever you face, whatever you're afraid of, hey, you can face that and continue to walk with God. You can walk in peace because God will strengthen you. We see from 1 Peter that he invites us to cast all our cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. That's a promise. We know he told us he would never leave us nor forsake us. And we know from the book of Revelation that he's coming again and will wipe away every tear. There'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, and we'll live with him forever. Those are promises you can cling to when you're scared. Put on the soundtracks of truth. Don't worry, I'm not going to cut a rug. I might, I don't know. <laughs> it's easy to get those, those soundtracks of fear, of worry, and anxiety spinning in your head. God, I'm afraid. David's saying, I'm going to, when I'm afraid, God, I'm going to remember, I'm going to know that you're for me. So I'm going to replace that soundtrack with truth. And let that spin in my head. So just to be really concrete, what David's saying is, when I'm scared, God, I'm going to turn the soundtracks of truth 
and looks kind of like this. <laughs> I'm going to let your word speak hope and comfort and peace into my life. I love what, what John Acuff says about this idea of soundtracks. He says that the first step is recognize what are those soundtracks. It's like stopping and realizing, man, do I have, am I like living in fear right now? Recognize that and replace it with the truth. And then you put it on repeat. <laughs> Let it play over and over and over again. And you know what? You're because you're like me and you're human. There's gonna be times that you're tempted to sneak back over and put on that old record of fear and anxiety. You know what? Nope, when you do that, just recognize that. Nope, God, I'm gonna trust you. Activate the soundtracks of truth. Walk in the hope of the promises of God. Activate your faith. Number three, what do you do when you're scared? You keep walking with God. You keep walking with him. Look at what he says in verse 12. He says, I am obligated by vows to you, God. I will make my thanksgiving sacrifices to you for you have rescued me from death. Even my feet from stumbling to walk before God in the light of life. There's no indication here in the text that David's situation has changed yet. There's no indication that now everything's fine, everything's okay. No, not at all. David is so sure, so confident in God's care for him. He's saying, God, I'm going to go ahead and worship you. I'm going to fulfill these Thanksgiving sacrifices. So yes, literal sacrifices, but also sing songs of gratitude. Why? Because it's as good as done that you've rescued me from death, even my feet from stumbling. God, I know you're good. So even now, though I don't feel like it, though I don't see it, I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to walk in hope. I'm going to walk before you. I'm going to walk with you, God, trusting and knowing you will come through for me, that you will either remove whatever is causing me to be afraid or you will lead me through it or you will conquer it. God, I trust you. I'm going to keep walking with you. And notice he says, you've rescued me to, sense of purpose, to walk before God in the light of life. So why does, he, does God rescue us? Why does God bring deliverance to what is, whatever is causing us fear? It's so we can walk before him in the light of life. That's God's purpose for you. His hope for you is not that you would sit in fear and stress and anxiety and be afraid, but that you would walk in God in the light of life. Some translations say the light of the living. The idea is that you would walk in joy, in community with God's people, walking in the hope of salvation and ultimately knowing you have eternal life in Jesus Christ. So God, I can't see it yet. I still feel fearful, but I'm going to walk with you. I'm not gonna wait. C.S. Lewis in his famous book, Screwtape Letters, it's a fun book to read. It's a fictional book that helps give us some insight, maybe into what the spiritual realm looks like and functions like sometimes. It's a pretty fun read. In the book, Screwtape is an older, accomplished demon. And he writes to a younger understudy, his protege, 
wormwood. And he's trying to teach him how to trip up Christians, how to make believers stumble. And one of the things he tells them early on in his letters, he says, wormwood, help them to focus on how they feel rather than trusting God. So one of the things he talks about is wormwood, when they pray for peace, Help them to focus and worry and obsess over feeling peace rather than just praying and trusting God and moving on. Too often we're, God, do I feel right? Do I feel right? And really we just need to say, you know what, God, I trust you. I'm going to walk with you today. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to obey what you've called me to do. I'm going to walk in purity. I'm going to make disciples. I'm going to share the gospel. God, I'm going to walk with you even though I'm afraid. You know, as you walk with God, your good shepherd, what? He leads you through the valley of the shadow of death. Walk with God, with God. It, it makes me think of familiar language in Philippians 4. Listen to this. I think you'll see some similarities. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Yeah, but God, nope. <laughs> no, don't be afraid of, don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Activate your faith, right? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to pray about it. That, that's faith. A prayerless life reveals a faithless life. God, I, I'm going to trust you. Then he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Turn on the soundtracks of truth. Fix my mind on what is true. And then he says, do, Paul writing to the Philippians, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. Keep walking with God. And you know what, when you do that, you're walking with the God of peace. Peace, the, the opposite of what you feel when you're afraid. If you're like me, I tend to think of peace as this, this destination or this position. God, when I'm in this position, so to speak, this, I'm not in this current predicament, but in this later place, this future place, then I'll have peace. I had the privilege to, to go up to Buena Vista, Colorado several times with our high school students and our college students uh, for camp and different things like that. And one of the things we love to do is hike the collegiate peaks up there. Now, being a Floridian uh, for most of my life, I approached hiking the wrong way most of the time in lots of ways. <laughs> but one of those things I did that was foolish was as we would hike the first few years I went, I was always focused on getting to the place. They would say, man, we're going to go hike wherever and there'll be this beautiful lake or this beautiful valley we'll get to. It'll be amazing. And so I would set my sights on that and kind of hike begrudgingly, like frustrated. When, when can we get there? Here's what changed it for me. When I realized, yes, we're going to a beautiful place, but as I'm hiking, I get to enjoy being with amazing people. 
And as we hike, we can talk and laugh and even point out beautiful things along the way. Yes, knowing we're going to a beautiful place, but there's joy in the journey by enjoying who you're with. What David demonstrates here and what Paul reflects in Philippians 4 is that it's not about just getting to a place, getting out of a situation. No, it's walking with the God of peace. And as you walk with him, you will have peace. Friends, peace is not about a position. It's not about your predicament. It's not a place. Peace is a person and his name is Jesus. So walk with him. What do you do when you're afraid? You activate your faith. You turn on the soundtracks of truth and you keep walking with God. Some of you, you don't know what it looks like to walk with God because you don't have a relationship with God. You're like me, you're a sinner in need of a savior. Friend, Jesus, we sang about earlier, Jesus, God the Son, left heaven's throne, left heaven to come to earth to put on human flesh and blood, and he lived a perfect life. No one else has ever lived a perfect life except for Jesus. You can try really hard, you're gonna get tired really quick. Jesus lived a perfect life, but he didn't come just to live a perfect life. He needed to be able to apply that perfection, that righteousness to your life. So Jesus, the scripture says, he set his face like flint, meaning he was determined. He set his face towards Calvary to die on the cross for your sins, to pay the price for your sin and shame and guilt, your trespasses. But three days later, he didn't stay dead. Three days later, Jesus got up from the grave, conquering your sin, conquering death, conquering hell and the grave and offering you a relationship with him, forgiveness from your sins, life, hope and purpose in Jesus Christ. He will simply, repentance is to have a change of mind. So instead of I got this or I don't need God. No, Jesus, I, I know I'm a sinner. I see Jesus that you are the savior of the world. Would you be the savior of my life? Would, would you be my Lord? When you call on him, you will be saved. And then you can walk with the God of peace. And you know what? Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have hardships. You're going to have hard times, but take heart. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. You can walk with him. You can know forgiveness of your sins, eternal life with him. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. 